Welcome to the Creative Empire Podcast. Each week, Raina Pomeroy, the life and biz success coach, and Christina Scalera, the attorney for creatives, are taking you up close and personal with successful influencers in the creative community and tackling your biggest business hurdles. Their mission is to help you, creative entrepreneurs, think beyond your daily biz so you can make the brave decisions that build your creative empire. Hey there, and welcome back to the Creative Empire Podcast. We are talking with Liz Rich and Kylie Claiborne of We Rascals. And I'm really excited to dive into the story because their mission is really freaking cool. So when you go to their website, they talk all about empowering kids with hip and historical tees, and they have really built a movement out of their product. So we're really excited to have both of them on the show. Welcome, Liz and Kylie. Thank hey. you. Thank you for having us. We're excited. Yay. We're so excited to have you. So tell us a little bit about the backstory of how you guys started to work together. I know you, one of you lives in Vancouver. One of you lives in Austin, Texas. So how did this evolution even like, how did this even occur? Well, once upon a time, we actually both lived in Austin. Liz moved to Vancouver a couple years ago, but we, when we started We Rascals, we were both in Austin and I had an idea of just one day I was hanging out with my three-year-old and we were just kind of looking through stuff. And I realized I wanted to give him stories that were real and true and based on really inspiring people. And just thought, you know, why don't we ever see people like Johnny Appleseed on a t-shirt or Abraham Lincoln? So I kind of started digging around and I couldn't really find anything. Luckily, I talked to, I was kind of talking to Liz about this idea and she was like, you know what, let's, I think that sounds great. Like, let's try it out. And so it kind of started from there and we've just, we've grown a lot since, oh my gosh, what's it been four years ago, Liz? Yeah. Gosh, it sounds crazy to hear you say that out loud, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it really just started with the idea of wanting to bring, you know, shed some light on people that had done some really amazing things for our world. And we're just really amazing people and inspiring kids to look at them and and be like, Hey, you know, they were once kids, they were, you know, they were kids just like you, but they did amazing things. And they're real people. They're not Superman or, you know, Elsa from Frozen. They're people that were actually here and, and did incredible deeds. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your products. Tell us a little bit more about We Rascal. Sure. So We Rascals obviously is a is a children's t-shirt company, although we also have some adult stuff too. And we're out, we set out to inspire children, as Kylie just mentioned. So on our t-shirts, you can find historical heroes. And each t-shirt either represents a bunch of them together or it's individual shirts. And so, but they all are amazing people. They all have wonderful stories connected with them. And we're constantly hearing from our customers, which we absolutely love, how much conversation the shirts have sparked between their children and them and how they've been able to dive into these stories like Frida Kalhu or um, Jane Goodall and how they've been able to share their stories with their children. And that's come from our shirt. And so that was our whole mission, right? Was to bring these stories to light for children. And as Kylie mentioned, this she came up with this concept by starting with John, Johnny Appleseed. And when she came to me with it, at the time, I also had a three-year-old. And I knew kids were so impressionable, right? But 
I really saw it when my three-year-old at the time knew all of the Disney princesses without ever having seen a Disney princess movie. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, this is crazy, right? But she needs more than Disney princesses on her shirt. And like four years ago, the, the children's clothing industry was so different than what it is now. And we just didn't, couldn't find it. So we decided to create it. And now we've got a, an amazing line. It definitely has evolved over time. We first started with images that we could find in the public domain. And eventually now we have an artist that we work with who comes up with these amazing designs for us. What's been the most exciting thing about finding that niche? It sounds like you guys really took a chance and excluded a lot of things, right? Like you could have had kitschy sayings, you could have had like punny shirts, but instead you you focus on this kind of like, I don't know what, what you would label the niche as, but you've, you've focused on these stories of historical figures and powerful women. So I, first of all, what would you call your niche? And then second of all, was that scary to niche down like that and to kind of declare like that's our corner of the, the marketplace? Yes, it was scary. And it was pretty deliberate because I felt like, well, we felt like once we got on out into the marketplace, we started to really hear from people. And I knew that Liz and I weren't the only parents that felt this way because we talked to people and we talked to other parents and they also had the same concerns about just you know, this, the mass marketing to kids and feeling a little bit like you want a more, a little bit more influence as to what, what they're wearing and what they're seeing. And so this was just kind of our little stab at trying to, to change that a little bit, but yeah, it was a little bit scary because there's so many ways you could take this and so many directions you could go with it. But I think for us, the heart of it is just really want to wanting to inspire kids to their own, you know, seeing these amazing heroes and heroines. And then also, hopefully they bring that full circle to where they also feel like it's, it's, it's a possibility for them to be that, you know, they want to inspire people in that way, or they want to be a mover and shaker. They want to, you know, just do it in their own way. And that they all have that capability of being inspiring. And that's really always what we come back to. As far as like what we would consider our niche I don't know if I honestly have a solid answer for that. I know we're a niche market. I think we're really, I don't know exactly if I would put honestly like a, a label on what type of niche we are, but I guess maybe an empowering niche, if that's a niche. <laughs> so one of the things that I absolutely love that you just said was that you kind of stumbled on this, this niche and it's become this movement. And I'm curious about when you were really starting this process, you clearly had a need for your children and wanting to fill this void. What kind of learning did you have to do in order to get a product-based business up and running? Did you both have entrepreneurial paths or maybe work in merchandising before? I'm just really curious about how you decided that this was the tool or this was the, the product that you wanted to create. Sure. I had a little bit, I had no experience with entrepreneurship before this, but I had a little bit of experience with product development before this, but not in t-shirts. So, I mean, we kind of just jumped in and it started with, we ordered a bunch of shirts just from various wholesale companies to see what we'd like. And we kind of, it was all kind of trial and error. Oh, really. definitely. <laughs> definitely. 
And so we did some super small batch printing at first to see what would work. At the time, we were printing in DTG format, which is direct to garment. And so it was super easy to do some really small batch printing to see what would work, what colors would go together, what types of shirts. And then I would say after the first year and a half, we were able to really hone in on what our audience wanted for shirts and um, who they wanted to see. And so, yeah, it was just a lot of trial and error at the very beginning. Speaking of trial and error, how did you first test this this concept in the market? I know you just said you printed directly and sent it to the consumer. So how did you know it worked, right? Like so many people that we see, they have an idea. It's a great idea. Their friends love it. They try to do it and it just doesn't get any traction or it does get traction, but it doesn't get it in the way that they were hoping for. So they keep putting money behind it, expecting it to finally take off, like to finally get their big break. So what was the tipping point for you guys? How did you know this idea was something that was a real business and it was something you could continue to do and it wasn't just, you know, a passing fad or a passing idea or, you know, a great idea, but it didn't really turn out? Like, what was that point? I think we listened to our customers a lot. I don't, you know, I don't know if there was a point. We still go up and down between what's going to work and what's going to fly and what's not. I mean, I think anytime you set off to, to start a business, it's just a risk. And there's just a certain amount of you know, obviously risk involved when you do it. We've put money towards things that, you know, obviously weren't fruitful for sure. And then we've directed efforts and funds towards things that have been great. I think we're just willing to kind of, well, one big thing is I don't think Liz and I are very, we are attached to the vision of We Rascals, but we're not overly attached to the, to the way that it evolves and grows. I don't know if that makes sense, but we we are open to see how the customers receive it and how we respond to their needs and their wants. So we're definitely open for change and, and letting it grow in its kind of own organic way while still kind of holding pretty tight to the concept of really in, empowering and inspiring kids in a different way. Does that make sense? Did I answer your question? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so. It's always interesting when you have like an e-commerce site to watch as, as it grows and evolves because it's such an amazing platform and amazing business model. I'm such a huge fan of it. I mean, what are like the challenges that you guys have faced as far as like logistics? I think a lot of people have these t-shirt companies, jewelry companies, maybe like calligraphy companies. They they print things like print, either downloadable prints or they, they drop ship the prints or they are mailing them themselves usually. What are some of the like crazier stories that you'd be comfortable sharing with us and like, how did you get through some of those those moments where you were like, is this really a good business model? Oh, yeah. is this gonna- uh, <laughs> go ahead, Liz, you want to start off with many. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I know. I'm like, how do I choose just one? No. So, you know, a couple of years ago, about two and a half years ago, maybe closer to three at this point, as we're about to release our, our fall collection, we got serious about our prices. And that has made it way more sustainable to have our margins in place and to know that what we are charging for our t-shirts is actually going to sustain us as a business. I've talked to some people that are brand new in the entrepreneurial world. And I think the single most key piece of advice would be price it correctly, like price it so it's sustainable, um, especially if you're a product-based business. But it took us 
you know, 18 months, almost two years to get to that from the starting point. And I feel like once we got tight on what it's going to cost for us to not only make the product, but to market the product, to put wheels behind the product, then things really started to grow for us. And it just became way more sustainable. And even that took time, right? Like it's so hard once you put systems in place. I mean, I'm, I'm, Liz will tell you, I'm like super impatient with those kinds of things, but it really does just take time. Um, in the beginning, we price things based on what we, because you don't know what you don't know, right? Like we base things on, we price things on what we thought people would pay for certain things and not taking into account all of the really small costs that are involved when developing a product, which now that we think about it, we're, we just laugh because we're like, what were we doing? <laughs> like, what, what were we thinking? But, you know, even once we kind of set the margins in place and kind of, you know, developed a better, more sustainable plan, that takes time. I mean, it took a full year for us to really kind of see that playing out. Um, don't you feel like, Liz, even... I think just having patience with some of the processes is important too. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always going to be hiccups and it sounds like you guys have, have successfully navigated them. So I thought it'd be interesting to hear. Thanks for that. As far as, as like growth opportunities within your niche, do you ever feel like it's hard to come up with ideas or like, is there something that you do or to help yourselves come up with new ideas? Like, do you ever take like a quarterly retreat or do you have days set aside? I know Shopify, they do this really cool thing. I think it's, I think it's once a quarter and it's called like Shopify days. And they literally just like lock off headquarters. Uh, They have two headquarters, one in Ottawa and one in Ontario. And they just give their employees like free reign to create whatever they want, as long as it contributes to the Shopify ecosystem. And so there's been some really cool projects that have come out of that. That's a little extreme example. I understand Shopify is much bigger than you two. But, you know, is there something where you're able to like, separate yourself from your daily activities? Or like, I guess, how do you come up with new ideas? Yeah, so ideas, actually, that's not our, we have more ideas that we just can't put legs on. You know, sometimes it's due to time, sometimes it's due to cost. We do carve out some time each season to plan for the next season in terms of what we want to see, how we want it to look like. You just sparked a great idea, which I think next season, Kylie, we absolutely need to do a retreat to do this. But no, it's not the ideas, you know, that that hold us back. Honestly, it's it's the the cost behind producing them and the risk behind putting stuff out there. We also do keep running lists from we get a ton of customer feedback. Like people love to write in and, oh, have you ever thought of putting so and so on a shirt? Or have you ever thought of doing this? And you know what? We keep all that and we keep a doc going with those ideas on it. So I don't feel like it's, we're not, there's many things that hinder us as a business, but I don't feel like it's the ideas. But something that's, that's interesting, and you've said this several times throughout our conversation, is that you guys are always listening to your audience. Like, oh, you should put so-and-so on a shirt or, you know, keeping your ear to the ground. And I think that that's what creates this, this sense of ownership from your community. Would you say that? Or maybe it's more of like a movement in a different way. And I'd love to hear more about how it's kind of come about organically. I'm sure people tag you in photos once they get their stuff. What has that looked like as you're building? this brand and movement? 
Well, it's fun to see it really evolve. And thankfully, we have the best customers <laughs> on earth. I'm like c- convinced. I mean, we just have the coolest customers and the coolest kids, but it's it's so pro-female right now, and which is so amazing to see and watch and be a part of. And so I think that's been the biggest thing that Liz and I have noticed. Um, our female-focused teas really, they're just we can hardly keep them in stock. They just do really, really well. And so that's been a, a big thing that we've noticed really pretty much from the beginning and, and it's continued to just grow and grow, which is, you know, does our hearts so much good. But I think there's just so much more awareness around what kids are seeing and, and more people are placing more importance on that. And so I think we've, we've also been able to kind of be a part of that. And people are just kind of waking up, I think, to wow, okay, it is important what my kids, I need to be a little bit more tuned in to kind of what they're immersed in all the time. And so, yeah, does that answer any question? (laughs) You you totally did. I think it's, I think it's so good to be kind of tuned in. And in the past, what, what I have found as a parent is that you kind of like buy what's available and to not necessarily question like, oh, I wish there was something else or is there something else? Do you just kind of buy what's at Target or you buy what's at whatever? It, because it's simple, but I love that there's this sort of Instagram. I don't, I'm sure a lot of people find you on Instagram, but people are looking. And I think that it's it's easy to buy what's available, but also just going out of your way to find you know these products that actually embody the, the stories that you want your families to know about is, is something that's really important. And I am really excited to be parenting in this time because it just challenges us to not be necessarily satisfied with the status quo of what the, these big boxes are telling us that we have to buy. Right. Right. Yes. And we, we hear that a lot and people will often, like we were talking about earlier, they'll say, you know, why is your stuff so expensive? Why is your, and it's because we care about people getting paid. <laughs> we care about, you know, everybody that's, that we paid to do a job as a working adult and that the t-shirts that where they come from are American made t-shirts because we know what the industry standards are for the United States. So, you know, all of those pieces of the puzzle are really important for Liz and I. We don't want, you know, our product coming from a, a child made product in Bangladesh. You know, I mean, it's, it's super important that we look at every single piece of the puzzle and put those together in a very sustainable way for We Rascals as a business, but also from a consumer standpoint, because our consumer and our customers, they care about those little things. You know, if they care about who they're exposing their kids to, they definitely care about the, you know, where it's sourced from and who's printing it and all of that. And we are, um, our hands are on all of our product from beginning to end. We think it all through very thoroughly. I think that's really great. And like the sourcing part com- part of the conversation is really necessary. And I think it also points to the fact that like your operations have to be on point in order for you to be able to price it well and stuff like that behind the scenes, right? It can't, it, we have to kind of be organized behind the scenes. And so I have a kind of question that will segue to something else, I guess. And I'm curious, how do you work together being so far from each other and have these, you know, moving pieces going on in your business? How do you stay organized or how do you run the the day-to-day operations of your business? Sure. Yeah. So it was funny because prior to my move to Vancouver, 
it already, the business had already kind of taken in this natural progression to define roles for us. And prior to that, we had never had any sort of set roles for each other. It was really from the beginning, kind of like you just dive in and you bootstrap everything and you you do everything. But now we have a, a much cleaner division of what we each do. And Kylie is hands-on with the product 100%. Um, and it all ships out of Austin. I am not hands-on with the product. I'm more behind the scenes. And, you know, we talk daily. We're on the phone or in texts with each other daily, maybe some days hourly. But we've just created systems that work well for us and, and really work well for the business. And the space between us really isn't felt that much other than when it would be wonderful to go sit and have a cup of coffee and talk some of these matters out in person. We just do it over the phone or over FaceTime. But it really hasn't been as challenging as we thought it would be when I first found out that I was moving. <laughs> yeah. So just is it just the two of you? Do you have anyone doing fulfillment or is it all on your team? It's just us two. I mean, we have people that pop in from time to time to help us with various different projects. But yeah, I mean, most of the time it's, it's Liz and I. It's funny because people, customers are often really surprised when they get an email back from us and it's, it's either Liz or myself. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, and it's, I'm like, we are a very small business. We're still really hustling it. And so, we're very, very involved. I mean, it, yeah, it's definitely still us. <laughs> I love it. I like it that way. <laughs> yeah, I think that's awesome. So, and you keep, you, you said that you have your hands in all of the, the parts of the business. And so that's really interesting to see. So as we're thinking about, you know, the listeners and how they might be also interested in producing new products or creating a business that is a product-based business, do you have any tips for, or like lessons learned from any of those mistakes that you've mentioned? Yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned the pricing, just price it accordingly so that it can sustain your business. You know, also too, when we first started out, we had a rather large collection and we've skimmed it back once we kind of figured out what our audience and our customers wanted to see. So I feel like starting is at the starting point, less is more. Get really great at one or two products. See if that can go in your marketplace or in your niche and then, and then evolve from there. We had to scale it back at one point and that felt a little, at the time it felt really scary. Like, oh my gosh, like are people gonna, what are they gonna think when we, you know, go from having 15 shirts available to only having eight shirts available? Those were our fears, right? Our customers never push back against it, but uh, that was necessary for us to move the business forward was to scale it back a bit in terms of our selection. So I feel like really honing in and knowing how one product does before adding other products or product lines is super important. Yeah. I think the the success of, of a project or a business isn't just a straight, straight up, you know, trajectory. I think Liz, you said it so beautifully, like it, you, sometimes you have to take a step back in terms of like taking a step back. So you're not increasing too much of your debt. So you can move forward. Like there are things like, you know, decisions like that, that have to be made. And sometimes you do you know, that success has to, to, you know, look a little bit different. It has to be reframed a little bit. And it doesn't mean that it isn't successful because you decide to take a, a step back for a year or two to kind of catch your breath, 
So that, I think it did, you're right. It felt like a little bit of, uh, we were terrified. We were like, oh my gosh, people are going to be disappointed or whatever. But I mean, we didn't get one email. I mean, it, everybody was awesome about it. And then we felt so good about like, okay, when we can, when we need to do that, we will do it and it will be okay. You know, the vision will still move forward. The business will be, will be great. So one thing you guys just said that is really critical I'd like to highlight is your emphasis on building one product that is really rocking before moving on to others. I think this is a mistake that I made and that I see a lot of people making. They will launch, especially when it comes to courses. So, I mean, this can happen if you are a product-based business or even a digital product-based business. But I see a lot of people and what they'll do is they'll launch an online course. And then instead of relaunching that, they want to make money because they either have cash flow issues, they want to make money, like whatever. Who knows? Who cares? And they'll immediately develop and try to sell a new product or a new course. And what ends up happening is that all they're like completely overwhelmed and they're in the cycle of feast and famine. And they're like, whoa, how did I get here? Instead of just trusting and having a little bit of a slower growth this season and focusing on the one product, making that the best that they could and then moving on to the next. So was it hard for you guys to focus like that? Or, you know, like what helped you keep your focus on developing you know, one or a handful of products before you moved on to the next collection? Yeah, no, it, I will say again, it was challenging at the beginning just to to scale way back. But then it became, for us, it became so much more clear. The vision of the company became more clear. And we started to release really small batch collections. So maybe teas, maybe like one or two tea per season. And like we said, it became, it was scary at first, but then I think, you know, we knew these teas were coming out. We knew that we weren't digging into our credit line to produce these. We had the cash flow to do that. And so it wasn't as scary because it, you know, we wanted more, but if we kind of in a hard way learned that, no, this is what the business can do. And even though we want to push it forward, we didn't want to push it forward into it to be an unhealthy business model because then it, it wouldn't, it would crash and burn and we didn't want that. So, um, yeah. so yeah, it's taken time to learn that. And obviously it can be disappointing sometimes when we have some great ideas that we want to put legs on and just don't have the cash flow to, to do that. Oh yeah. But I think knowing that the business is healthy and that it's doing well is, is more fulfilling than maybe having all these products out there that we couldn't sustain. And I, I'll even say this, I'll add to, to that. I think sometimes so Liz and I did something very different this summer than we've ever done in the four years that We Rascals has been in existence. And it, we took the summer off. We really stepped back. Um, I mean, for both of us, you know, we just, we took a step back from, you know, we just kind of, we were in summer with our families doing, doing the summer thing with our kids. And I have to say that was huge for me. And I know it was for Liz too, just t- taking a step back from, all of it and just seeing what is working, what's not working, because at the end of the day, we're moms and we, you know, we have kids running around at home. And so we have to make it, it has to grow at a sustainable pace for us as well. So it's not just about being a slave to the business. It's really, it's about keeping it at a, you know, making it a sustainable pace for for us. And for us, that looked like stepping away and taking some time with our families, which meant okay, maybe we weren't on social media like we, you know, typically are as much. Maybe we weren't a little bit, you know, we weren't posting every single day or 
or whatever it is. And, and that has its cost too. But for us, it was, I think it was needed. I think we both feel a really renewed sense of commitment to, you know, moving the business forward. Because when you're always in it, you know, you kind of can't see the, the forest for the trees. So I just want to kind of add that in there too, that I feel like this summer we did that and it was really good for both of us. I think that's really critical that you can have a business or you can build a business that allows you that time of rest. And both of you are moms. And so that's like a priority that you want to have. And I know Christina is an avid traveler and I have a four-year-old. So taking that time for rest and like to be able to turn off the work brain is very critical. And I'm learning this over and over again to be able to take that CEO time as part of rest or rest is part of the CEO time that I need to have in my life in order to recharge and do my best work. Yeah. Yes, so I absolutely. appreciate you saying that and just making that like a, a point. And so like for all of the listeners, just to have permission and create a plan for being able to take the next summer off or to be able to take the holidays off, um, whatever that looks like for, for you and for your family. So as we're wrapping this call up, I'm curious to hear what is in your creative empire in the future? What can you share with us that you're working on or thinking that you might want to try in the future? Yeah, we have a couple of really fun things coming up. Our fall collection is coming out. We don't have a hard date on it yet, but it should be within the next week or two. So I hate to say a, a specific date, but, and you know, we're taking a little bit of a turn with this collection, which we are super excited about. It's still very much empowering children. And yeah, just stay tuned because we've got some fun things coming up <laughs> in the next week. And actually, probably by the time this oh, airs, absolutely. it'll be, yeah, it'll be, I didn't think about that. Yeah. By the time this airs, we will, our collection will have dropped. So Yeah. But it is, it's different. It's a little bit different, definitely still in the vein of empowering kids. But I think this is our way of, you know, trying to expand that niche we were talking about a little bit earlier. Yeah. Now that you've narrowed down the niche, it's time to expand a little bit. So that's really exciting. So I know that you have a coupon code for us. Would you like to share that on air? And we'll definitely put in the show notes as well. Yes. So we have a 20% off coupon code for your listeners. And the code is just CE for Creative Empire uh, 20. All right. So CE 20. Wonderful. So they should go to werascals.com and you can grab the 20% off. That's super generous. Oh, and use the code CE number two zero. So thank you so much for joining us. Tell all the listeners where people can find you and connect with you online. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They can find us at www.wee-rascals.com. And they can find us on IG um, at We Rascals and on Facebook, We Rascals. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know our listeners, especially those product-based businesses who tell us that they don't hear enough product-based interviews, we're excited to share that with them. And everyone out there, go build your creative empire. Are you ready to build your own empire? For more information, show notes, downloads, and tips on how to do it, head to www.creativeempire.co where you can find out more about this week's episode and the two lovely ladies behind it all, encouraging you to build your own creative empire.
If you enjoyed this week's show, it would mean so much to Raina and Christina if you could take two minutes to go to iTunes and leave a review. It's a little thing that makes a big difference for the show. 